0: You're listening to episode number 24 of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Today, we're talking about directive and participative decision-making in the context of healthcare leadership. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We're so grateful you've joined us
1: today. I'm Tracy. And I'm Michelle. We've been interprofessional partners in healthcare for over 30 years. During that time, we've been engaged in healthcare transformation and the development of healthy healing work cultures that result in the best places to give and receive care. We've engaged with healthcare leaders from across North America, and we are tired of seeing time, money, and resources wasted on change efforts that are not
0: sustainable. In this podcast, we explore significant, reoccurring, and competing challenges faced by all healthcare leaders today using a brand new lens called polarity thinking the missing logic in healthcare. You could say we represent the money ball of healthcare. We're here to expand your current thinking and challenge your reliance on problem solving tactics. Everybody, it's Tracy and Michelle. Welcome to another fascinating episode. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about directive and participative decision making, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, and we did an episode a while back, I think it was episode number 13 with our friends Ben and Glenn, and that was really around directive and shared decision-making in regards to providers and patients and families, and today it's going to be a little bit different. Today we're talking about really relationships and participative decision-making between clinicians or healthcare workers and the leadership team. That's right, because decisions are happening every day, everywhere. All the time. All the time. All the time. And I think one of the, I was thinking about this uh, earlier is that, uh, you know, when we really started to do our interprofessional work together, one of the first things was about how do we engage the clinicians, right, in an interprofessional That's project right. that we were working on. And that was kind of probably my first... Entry into really shared decision making, you know, and participative That's right. decision making. You mean, yeah. we need their input. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I was like, well, how do we do that? <laughs> I was kind of clueless at the time about participative decision making, but yeah, I hey, brought her along. Yeah, she did. She did. She taught me a lot of things over the years, you know. But one of the things is um, it can have such a significant impact, right, on mm-hmm. the culture on clinical outcomes when there's participation in the decisions. And it really helps to, you know, it really represents inclusion, right? People feel like they're included. Um and it's a it's a great way to engage people, right? Mm-hmm. In yep. the environment and the culture and really owning what's happening. And and along with that comes Accountability
1: and some ownership, that's right? right, for the decisions. That's so. right. And when it comes down to it, the bottom line is, you know, regardless of who makes the decision, all decisions should be made to serve the mission. Why are we here? What's our purpose? And so, you know, we're really thinking about our intention to have a very positive impact on patients, you know, and clinicians and the staff and the environment. So that's really important, and that participative decision making like you said Tracy it represents empowerment and you know inclusiveness so you're going to have a different outcome when you really take that approach to decision making and some people aren't comfortable with it right some people if you're used to more of a directive style this is a whole new learning curve mm-hmm. and i think what's important to realize is there's different degrees it's you know it is that dance and that flow and you have to get really comfortable of the characteristics of both Participative decision making and direct decision making, and what really helps is having clearly identified boundaries to really understand, you know, what's within the shared decision making or participative decision making, and what falls outside of it. Yeah, that, right, that's really important because, right. especially if people
0: are hungry for participative, right, decision making, yes, and you invite it in, then they want to just you know, they want to participate in every decision and it's just not necessarily appropriate, you know? So it is, it is very helpful to set the boundaries, especially right from the very beginning. So Mm -hmm. everybody knows what Mm -hmm. to expect and, and, you know, um, and those things too can be flexible, right. At Mm -hmm. times. Uh, but the other thing is too, then you got those that like, this sounds really good, but I don't want to own the outcomes. Right. So you take it, right. Like I I kind (laughs) of like that you make the decisions and if it doesn't go well, Oh, well, <laughs> not my responsibility. Right. And I can point a finger too, you know, at somebody else. Right. So, right. It, it, you know, it, yeah. it's a it's a it's a process, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like flipping a switch. And now we have participant decision making. Right. It's um, it's at both end and it's just learning how to
1: balance the two and when it's appropriate to have it. And,
0: yeah. And knowing you're
1: going to learn as you go. Yeah. And I think from um, historically, like from my experience, a lot of this started emerge in the 1980s with uh, shared governance from a nursing perspective, mm-hmm. trying to put infrastructures in place where we did engage and empower staff nurses to have a voice, be part of the process. The other trend, too, is we're seeing more and more dyad leadership um, roles coming together to make shared decisions or participative decisions as well, like Mm -hmm. maybe a CMO and a CNO or other clinical roles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, you know, I think, too, just um –
0: just to back up a bit too, so everybody kind of understands when we what we're ta- what we're what the context is for these terms that we're using. It just occurred to me we didn't bring that out in the very beginning. But when we're talking about directive decision making, right? Those are decisions that are really rooted in knowledge or expertise or the rationale of pretty much one individual or person. Right. Right. I decide. Right, Right. based on what I know, authority, my authority, Mm -hmm. yeah. Participative is really decisions that are rooted in a collective knowledge, that collective expertise or experience or rationales. It's it's multiple individuals Mm -hmm. being engaged and involved, right? And um, you know, so you know, in the context of what we're talking about today, when we're talking about healthcare organizations or even you know small practices, I mean, it can be really anywhere within healthcare uh, environments. Um, it's really about the workers, right? The clinicians, mm-hmm. the workers. Um, no matter what your role is, really being engaged with whoever the leadership team is, and the operational or administrative um, component of mm-hmm. that, right? And coming yep. to the table together to bring that expertise. And I think in uh, when we were engaged in this, uh, as when I was as a clinician, I think that's what was so rich is that you know there's so much information. That clinicians have, or some of the other individuals in other roles have, um, things they see, right? Wisdom that they have that leaders don't have, right? Because right. they're not out there every day. They'll
1: miss it, right? That's where you get blindsided. And they'll miss it because exactly. they don't have all the information. They don't know all those little patterns that happen in the work environment that really need to be taken into consideration for a decision. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It, but yeah, they bring in expertise the
0: clinicians don't have, right? So Absolutely. everybody's got a contribution mm-hmm. to make and a different level of expertise. And I think that's what helps the decision making gets to be so rich, yep. you know? Um and you know I, again it this is not an easy thing <laughs> it doesn't just happen and I think there's a foundation of relationship that has to happen as well right absolutely and the stronger yep. the relationships that partnering kind of relationship between leaders and uh you know the employees or the staff um, the the better the easier the process will go so it just takes it just takes some time yep and practice. <laughs>
1: So let's talk about the upsides and the downsides of directive decision-making and participative decision-making, Tracy. Sounds great. I'll start with the upside of directive. Okay. Okay. Because you're
0: so directive. Oh, I
1: am. Ah. (laughs) Crack that whip. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not. (laughs) No, you know what I do when I think about this particular uh, polarity is... I tend to go to the people that are awesome at this and maybe some we've experienced or you've experienced that haven't been so great at it. So now I'm thinking of that really excellent leader who has a lot of strengths and directive decision-making. And these are some of the things that you'll see as an upside. Number one, that, you know, they're really trusted to be decisive and timely with the interests of the people, the organization, they're really making decisions that are in the best interest of everyone and they take their leadership role seriously. They understand that, and they know that's one of their accountabilities. They're also really clear on you know, their role with making decisions. And you know what they're really good at? They're good at making tough decisions, right? Yes. Again, going back, if it's to the best intention of the organization, really excellent directive uh, decision-making. They make tough decisions. They're also really clear on their boundaries, right, and their parameters of making that decision. And they know their own scope. They know their authority. Very clear on that. Um, another upside of directive decision-making is that they're really clear on how they can support the mission and the values. Um, again, it's very centered on that. And they provide clear goals and direction. When you have really good directive decision-making, the clarity is spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a big
0: difference. Mm-hmm. When you have somebody who that is their strength, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are some great great that does sound like examples. Me. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, let's talk about participative, right? Decision making and the upside of that. So of course, I think one of the primary ones is just the diverse perspectives that you're able to tap, right, from all the different individuals. And we alluded to that a little bit earlier when we said, right, everybody yep. has a different view of what's happening, right, in the organization. So when you can tap those um, diverse perspectives and experiences, it just really makes the decision-making uh, a lot easier and richer. Um The decisions are oftentimes perceived as feasible, right, to implement and sustainable over time because you have those diverse perspectives. So you have a wisdom that you wouldn't have had before. makes it, um, you know, more feasible to implement because you have grassroots understanding. Hey, what about
1: this? Have you thought about that? This is what I experience every 2 a.m. on my shift. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly, right? And then, you know, because of that, too, because
0: you have that bigger holistic picture, Mm -hmm. um, actually, you know, the implementation timelines can be quicker, right? Right. Because everybody's on board. Everybody understands the intention behind whatever it is your change you're making or whatever decision you're making. And you, you know, all the ins and outs and you're ready for any of the potential, you know, barriers that you might run into or challenges that you might run into. So things can go really quicker. Um, there's that collective wisdom and that synergy, that energy around, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're deciding or the change that you're initiating. And then um, it is about the commitment, the ownership, the accountability, and the responsibility. So everybody's in, right? Everybody's got skin in the game and everybody's owning it. And they're driven to make it successful, right? Whatever part it is. Of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, You know, but when we look at you know, because we come from a problem-solving world, right, if we look at either one of these as a solution, right, we know there's a downside to that. And sometimes, you know, especially if we have a preference for one or the other, we can be blind, right, to the downside of our own pull. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we, we just always have to be aware mm-hmm. um, of what we prefer and what our blindsides might be. So why don't we talk a little bit about the downsides, Michelle, and what can happen? Sure.
1: So if I'm over-focused on being directive, which I'm so good at, oh, yes, <laughs> then I'll start making decisions without considering other people's perspectives, right? And then we know that's going to get me in trouble over time. And also the things I want to implement, why are they taking so long to get done? Because <laughs> I just have it in my head, this is the way it should be. I'm being very directive about it. So it can impact implementation timelines for changes that you're trying to make. And uh, the other thing that happens is it's difficult to sustain what you're trying to change or implement because it's so one way. And um, so you don't have that engagement. So that's the downside. A lot of resistance. A lot right? of you resistance. You can get a lot of resistance that's if right. people don't understand or aren't involved. And that's exactly the other aspect is that, you know, people's lives who are affected by the decisions, they're not even part of the process. Um, so that, is, that doesn't feel good and it won't be successful. And there's no commitment or ownership or accountability or responsibility to kind of carry out whatever great decision I made.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Darn it. Not really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sounded good at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know what? There's downsides to participative decision-making as well. So, um, you know, even though you've got those diverse Perspectives. Sometimes it can present too many choices. It can actually cause some chaos, right? Because there's so many perspectives, and you kind of get lost in it all, right? Um, And there can be conflict among the decision makers, and that can increase over time, right? Because they're they're learning to come together, right? More people, more perspectives, exactly, and to find the synergy. (laughs) And sometimes there's more conflict before there's more synergy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: and there's an uncertainty about who's accountable for the decisions, right? If you've got, you know, this um, participative decision, then who really is making the decision, right? And when you can't come to consensus, sometimes yeah. it it just. You know, it takes a bit of practice, right, yeah. in time. So that can be a downside if, if the group is floundering a little bit in that way. And then the other thing is you can get into analysis paralysis, right? There's so many people, so many options that you just, you're overthinking
1: it. Oh, right? that's when you start to swirl. Exactly. Oh, been there, done that.
0: <laughs> Let me out, right? <laughs> Let me make a decision to move and, on. <laughs> and that's the other downside, right? People disengage that's because right. you can't come to consensus because we can't, right, you know, get our stuff together. (laughs) So you can, you know, you can hit those downsides as well. If you're, if there's too much overemphasis on that.
1: So Tracy. Yes, Michelle. It's time to put a polarity lens on this. A polarity lens? Really? (laughs) really, It's time. It's time. And before we do that, I think it's good for our listeners out there to do some reflection about their own realities in their organization, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's always good to reflect. So think about your organization, your department, your unit, your practice, your reality, whatever it is, and think about how well the directive, participative, decision-making polarity is being managed right now. Yeah. Yeah like what are you experiencing you know we talked a little bit about what the
0: upsides were and yeah. we talked about kind of the downsides right where you you might go if you you know overfocus on one to the neglect of the other so yeah
1: just uh kind of do your own pulse check where are you at what does that tell you yeah what does it tell you and what's it costing your organization if this is mismanaged. Yeah. Right? If you're in the downside, if you're doing a lot of swirling or things aren't getting done.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good news. Yeah. Polarity lens, right? That's right. And you can move it forward. That's and right. What do we know? We need to have simultaneous actions, right? And, you know, if if you, we don't know if you're just joining us for the first time or, you know, if you've been a long time listener, um, but you can always go back to episode number one, where we talk about all of these details, right, around how to manage a polarity and leverage the polarity and the action steps and early warning signs and all that's in episode one. So if you want a refresher on that or you haven't heard us talk about that, go back to episode one and you can
1: get those kind of details. That's right. And now we're going to move forward and talk about action steps for directive decision making and participative decision making that will help us manage this polarity. So I'm going to start out with directive decision making. And I'm going to share with you, you know, what makes me so good at this. <laughs> Successful and really leveraging this is um, really what I'm trying to say. First of all is um, having a partnership infrastructure to communicate rationale for decisions, right? The beauty of being directive is if you're aligned with others in participative uh, ways, then I can communicate. Well, this is my thinking and this is the rationale for any decision that I need to make as a, as a leader, um, also to check for concerns around implementation of directive decisions, right? So I'm, I'm scoping it out. I'm checking it out before I put anything into action. And that's a really good strength of a directive decision maker. Um, and using dialogue and partnership skills to increase trust in relationships. Mm-hmm. Again, not going into a decision with blinders on, but really tapping others' perspective and wisdom using those skills, and then clearly define decision-making process and accountability. Mm-hmm. So that's crystal clear. People understand the process, and there's no second-guessing or, you know, concerns that come around related to that. Right. Well, it makes it a
0: lot easier, right, when you're engaging and have those kinds of relationships, Um you know, especially because there are decisions that have to be directive Absolutely. and they're not always, you know, highly mm-hmm. favored. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're sometimes, like you said at the very beginning, hard to make, hard yep. decisions. Yep. So if you have those kind of relationships and you understand the accountability and you're, you know, taking these steps, mm-hmm. then those things that you have to implement that are directive will be a lot better received. Right. Now, at the same time, On the participative side, uh, you know, remember, these are simultaneous actions, so you need to be doing both to some degree, right? Right. Yep. Um, And so on the participative decision-making side... really establishing that kind of a partnering infrastructure, right? It's some kind of an infrastructure where you are um, coming together to make these participative decisions and to share in that leadership, right? And to to do this collectively Um, and having that in place. So if you don't have one, establish one. If you do have one, make sure you're maintaining that. That's really important. You have to have a place for this to happen you know, on an ongoing basis, I think is what's critical, critical. -hmm. critical. And then using established tools for decision-making. So, you know, use consensus, use polarity thinking, use dialogue, right? Use different skills or tools to help make the process, um, you know, successful.
1: And, you know, Tracy, you can't assume that people know those things, right? So that to your point, you got to build it into the process and, um, and, It's been, you know, my experience, and I know yours as well, is that people are hungry for new tools and new ways to make decisions and learn from that, so. Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Um, And involve the voices, um, expertise from, you know, direct providers, managers, educators, involve them, right? Just go out, and I think it's all about invitation, Michelle. It's always been about make the invitation, right? And create the space for it to happen. And then, you know, and then go through the processes using the tools to help it be successful.
1: And some organizations make the mistake of thinking oh, if this is participative the managers and leaders shouldn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. No. Right. And that's where you're not getting the interdependence between these two. So that's a really great point. Well you gotta have the expertise, right? Yes. So
0: you got the expertise where the rubber meets the road, but there's operational expertise. There can be research expertise, clinical expertise, right? Yep. And the again, the more rounded out the decisions, the better off you're going to be, right? Mm-hmm. When you learn yeah. from everybody's perspective and expertise. And then the other thing is to set some timelines. So when you do have to make decisions, um, and this is uh, you know, a participative decision to avoid that downside, right? Yep. Of swirling yep. is to set a timeline. Here's the timeline we've got to make the decision and, and let's figure out what we need to do to do that within this timeline. And know that when we get to this point, we are going to make a decision based on what we know in the moment, right? right. So that just can really help that, mm-hmm. stop that swirling stuff. And then the other thing too is, um, you know, so we're, we're taking these actions and taking the simultaneous action is what's going to hopefully keep us in that upside, right? right. And experiencing in those positive place. outcomes. But we know things slip, right? Yep. And, uh, and or situations happen, the context changes, uh, the environment changes, right? And, uh, and so we know that, you know, we are at risk to overfocus or over-emphasize, or maybe one of the strategies we've implemented isn't really taking off or it's not effective. And we can start to drop into that downside. We want to know, <laughs> we want to know where we're headed, right? So those are early warning signs. So why don't we, uh, share a few of those with people, Michelle?
1: Yeah. So if, uh, we over-focus on directive decision-making to the neglect of participative decision-making. There's going to be some things that start popping up in the work environment. And um, a lot of those things are what people say, right? So you might start hearing things like, no one ever listens to us around here, right? It's just they're making the decisions and don't we get a say in what goes on around here? So listen for those types of things. And the other thing that's an early warning is you'll start to notice all the time and energy it's taking to implement anything. Any new idea is an effort. And so pay attention to how much energy and time is really you know, needing to happen to make any change within your organization. And um, when you start to notice uh, resistance and an increasing resistance, whether it's You know, overt or covert to any ideas could be a symptom that you're being too directive and that's starting to pop up in the work environment. Resistance,
0: Um, too, is a sign of a polarity. It is. Yeah. Yeah. There might be a polarity there somewhere. So
1: That's not being managed, so Mm -hmm. pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the other thing is that you can have all kinds of changes happening because you have a lot of directive decisions going on but they're not sustainable. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they just don't last. Well, there's not ownership. Yeah, there isn't. And uh, it can be frustrating as a leader when you're making directive decisions or it doesn't matter, a clinician making a directive decision. But if that's kind of your primary focus is you get frustrated. Like, don't they have any idea how this is going to affect us? Mm -hmm. So a lot of frustration can come to the forefront.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, you know, and you hear things too, like... It just struck me when you were talking was, you know, how people go, oh, yeah, you know, we did this a couple of years ago, it lasted a couple months, and then it, it was gone. So I'm just going to hold on and yep. wait. It'll go away. It'll right? go away. It'll go away. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Okay. Hell, there's some early warning signs for participative decision-making as well. Now, uh, what we might hear there, right, is it takes us months to make the decision. So yes. if we're in the downside and we're swirling, Right that's what you're going to hear. Oh my gosh. It just takes them forever to make that decision. Uh, the other is, you know, we've been over the same issue again and again and again, again, again. right? (laughs) The other thing is people are not attending the partnership council or, you know, your infrastructure, your shared leadership meetings, whatever, whatever you call it, um, or engaging in the session. So people are starting to exit. They're just starting to disengage, right? Mm -hmm. When you're um, trying to have them engaged. And then, um, Or they're there, but they're really not there, right? They're just there in physical form, (laughs) but they've kind of checked out from the overall process. And you can just kind of see they're just showing up, but they're not really involved or... Being effective. Yep.
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And, you know, so these are, you know, so think about that. Are you experiencing any of these early warning signs? Mm -hmm. You know, because it could be... The first sign that you are, you know, your processes are ineffective or you're overemphasizing one of these polls. And, uh, you know, so the thing is to start, you know, to make that observation yourself and then maybe dialogue with some of your peers, right? Hey, I'm noticing this. Are you experiencing that? Start the conversation about what's really happening here. Or
1: how would you describe, you know, how we make decisions in our organization? Mm -hmm. Just get different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know,
0: uh, we've kind of talked about how to put a clarity lens on this. Yes. Right. And how to leverage this and uh, what the upsides, the downsides, early warnings, the action steps. So, you know, you've got the tools, you've got the lens, <laughs> but you know, if you're going to apply it, it really helps to know why, why would, why is it important to leverage directive and shared decision-making And, uh, you know, if you think about that, it's kind of that greater purpose, right, for the leveraging of this. And uh, I think, you know, something that comes to my mind around that is just having a very vibrant and flexible organization. It would be, right, one of the reasons that we're able to really – tapping everybody's expertise and wisdom and knowledge, mm-hmm, right? It yeah. just creates a buzz. It's got that synergy, the energy, and you're flexible, right? You're taking into consideration the whole yeah. terrain, right? And it
1: impacts culture like you said sure, earlier yeah. too, right? And yeah. it's uh you achieve sustainable outcomes, which is really really important. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Versus that unhealthy, rigid organization where nothing gets done, nothing's sustainable. So, yeah, that feels heavy, doesn't it? It, does. it just feels heavy like that directive, driven you know
0: um yeah that just doesn't even feel good to me
1: <laughs> yeah you know and the reality is we've been around long enough tracy where we've seen organization experience both of this yep the uh, positive flexible vibrant and you know two years later they're unhealthy and rigid and a lot of times it's because this polarity was mismanaged due to changes or whatever so it's right. really important to keep it in front of you well
0: i think you know there's a risk right now because um you know, there's a lot of people who are experiencing a lot of stress in the environment, mm-hmm. right? We've got, you know, the whole well-being challenges happening for clinicians and workers in healthcare, And, you know, so and, you know, the wanting to engage everybody and, you know, so we could be swinging way over and overemphasizing the participative yep. decision making. Uh, To the neglect of the directive, right? And dropping the directive because we think it's making people unhappy. But what we just have to know is this is a both and, right? And while you may need to beef one up, you know, a little bit more, put some actions and stuff, you know, in place to to strengthen it, you have to have directive decision making. It's just, you have to have both. So you can't let, you can't drop the ball on the other thinking that you know participative is the answer or the solution. So I, I feel like we're at risk and you know around this.
1: Yeah, we're at risk with that. And the other pattern I've noticed is with all of the mergers and acquisitions and consolidations happening, you have to recalibrate how you leverage yes. this polarity, mm-hmm. right? And you can't let it drop in the midst of acquiring one new hospital, three new hospitals. What's it look now today? And you have to be on top of that. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to experience some downsides for sure. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about just some key takeaway um, teaching points on managing this particular polarity. Sounds good. Um, first of all, you know, clearly define your boundaries on shared decision making or participative decision making. Like we said, that could trip you up if those boundaries aren't really clear for everyone. Mm-hmm. um and that really invite new ways of thinking relating behaving when it comes to how we make decisions together from both poles directive and participative and um really just recognize and have conversations that both are necessary to support a vibrant and flexible organization and look for opportunities at every level the you know the macro level and also the micro level yeah. because this this polarity is managed throughout the organization, throughout yeah. the system.
0: Well, and any time. Yeah. anytime you have a decision to make, really just be thinking, stop for a moment and think about this, right? Is this really something that, that could be shared or you know participative?
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how might I leverage this polarity in making this decision? Or is this really something that absolutely has to be directive? And just know where you're sitting, right?
1: hmm
0: With each decision that you have to make. And- uh, you know, so as we wrap up today, um, we've given you some things to think about, and um, you know, opportunity to uh, to leverage this and be successful with that. And we're gonna in the show notes we'll have a download uh, with a with a map for you. So if you are so inclined, just kind of map this out for yourself, or even just use the the map as a discussion tool, right, with your peers. Um, and then we'll have a little reflection worksheet as well so that you can just kind of do your own reflection about where this where this sits in wherever environment you're in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a wrap for today. It's been great Let's being on the airwaves yes. again with all of you. And we look forward to the next time.
1: That's right. Take care. Bye. Tuning in today. If you found our conversation insightful or helpful, please share this episode with others you think might benefit. Also, go out to iTunes and rate the show and share a review because we really like those positive ones. Wink, wink. You can access today's
0: show notes and downloads at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you want to learn more about polarities in healthcare or how you might manage them in your organization, You can contact us for a free consultation. Just go to our website at www.missinglogic.com.